yo-yo. You there? Yeah. Okay, can I call you right, right back? Yeah, sure. Okay. All right, peace. Okay, peace. Hello? Oh, no. It don't go. Zach, what's up? Well, my phone just, the battery's dead, but we're dying. So is it okay if I charge this before we do this? Yeah, sure. I've been, cause I've been listening to music all day, really really putting together my my late 50s, early 60s, top 40 show, but, uh, <laughs> but let, me, let me let the battery charge so we can do this and it won't die out. All right. Okay. Uh, peace. Okay, peace. How you feeling? Bummed out. Why is that? Same thing, just been... Just hate to... Hate being without a chick. Hate everything that's happened since... She went... She left or whatever. Once I got back here, I don't know, all that, but it's really fun she left. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Today, just uh, kind of put together the uh, radio show with the music from this oldies forum. They're still putting it together, still don't have it all together, but was doing that till the battery ran out. Then I munched out and realized that something happened to my toilet paper. Either I left it in the bathroom and somebody snagged it, or it Somebody snagged it when it was in the room, but either way, the toilet paper is gone. So I gotta, but I can't get toilet paper right now, so that's a drag. So then, what else happened? Uh, someone's coming in. I don't know who it is yet. Anyway, so then uh, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to see if I can. Go buy clothes tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. See you. No, uh, just a minute. <coughs> oh. I'm not sure if you got your key or something. Yeah, what the hell? It might be.
Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, you found it then. <laughs> anyway, so then that so that happened, and yeah, that's pretty much about all that happened. And today I got up early, went to tall martial arts <coughs> to some hot white chick. Mm. Oh, cool, cool, cool. So she, is she your teacher or? No, I teach her. Oh, right on. Hey, hey. Yeah, she was pretty hot and thicker than a snicker. You in a headlock anytime, right? <laughs> <laughs> Big ass titties, Ernst. Hell yeah, that's the best headlock you can get into right there. Thanks, Major. Yeah, I was a little jealous of the dude that was teaching her grappling. Yeah, I bet. I'm like, ah, darn, I'm just teaching kickboxing. And then after that, I was surprised, like, the dude that was uh, teaching her grappling was following along with the exercises. I guess he's not very good at kickboxing. But the chick was picking it up pretty quick, so I had her do a few different things. And then I went to a meeting afterwards, which was the 12 and 12 big book. Well, 12 and 12 study of the Uh, It's the uh, 12 steps and traditions. Hmm? 12 steps and traditions. It's basically... Yeah, because, like, basically it's, you know, like, the rules of AA and also the traditions of AA. So we were covering Tradition 3. The only requirement for becoming an AA member is to uh, say that you're an alcoholic. But then, you know, like, I was reading the reading, and it was pretty heavy because, like, at first in AA, they were saying that they wouldn't let just, like, you know, people that were kind of crazy, and they only wanted people that were just drunk and well-off and shit like that. Drunk and what? Well-off and believed in God. Okay, so they... Well, I mean, isn't that part of their higher power thing? Isn't that you're supposed to believe in some kind of God? Yeah, but, like, uh, eventually they came to the conclusion after dealing with one guy named Ed. Well, they say for purposes, Ed, like, I'm not sure if that was his real name or not, but he was an atheist, and he said that wouldn't AA be better if you didn't have this whole God thing? Mm-hmm. So, basically, yeah. like, uh... They eventually came to the conclusion that he should still be allowed to join because, like, uh, he threw in their face that uh, the third tradition says, you know, the only requirement for AA membership is uh, 
a desire to stop drinking. That's the exact quote. Well, they had an atheist version of it called secular sobriety, actually. At least it was in the 80s that was happening. I don't know, like, if that still exists or not. Yeah, they're, uh, I forget what it's called, but, yeah, they got atheist, you know, versions. Like, that's what uh, that chapter was basically saying, is that you don't have to believe in God, but it's definitely the preferable path. Okay. So how did they... How did they... Because, like, okay, first they said they only wanted rich people in there. Yeah. I guess. And then they changed their mind about that one. Yeah, and And then then they they said they didn't want crazy people in there and then they change their mind about that somehow (laughs) yeah okay yeah basically that's how it went okay trippy yeah because that's what the dude was like like were you guys serious about that when you wrote it you know Saying that that's the only requirement for membership. And, you know, you know, he caught them slipping on their own rhetoric. Mm-hmm. So they were like, yeah, we should take that more seriously. And there's no reason to change it. We just need to broaden how we view it. Mm-hmm. And then... They fucking were, people were just blowing my goddamn phone up. Like, the apartments called, and they said they wanted more information. They're like, what's up with these Zelb and Cash App payments to you? And I had to go say, you know, go give them paperwork showing that I have a payee. So hopefully they don't ask for any more bullshit. Freaky. Yeah, they're doing all this extra bullshit. Yeah. Because I thought, like, having my social security paperwork would have been good enough, but not apparently. Yeah, okay. That sucks. So what other paperwork did you have to give them? Uh, I just gave them the fucking printout from my mom's social security thing where it shows, you know, Aaron, like, uh, Tomasa Clements to, well, for Gregory, well, Aaron Gregory Clements. Mm-hmm. And then it shows how much I get paid off of that, but hopefully, because, like, my mom doesn't have the original SSI paperwork that she received, so I couldn't turn that in. They don't, they don't reject you based on that. Yeah, that would suck. Well, did you find out? Did you ask them? or? Like... I don't know. They keep saying, oh, that's all we need. But then they keep fucking saying they need more. Yeah, no, that sucks. If they need more, I'm. it's going to take me a while because I'll have to have my mom request paperwork from the SSI people directly. That's going to be a hassle. Yeah, that sucks. 
that could stuck take a week or two more for a longer period of time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, after that, I went to Speedway, got me some food, which they're fucking, their goddamn rib sandwiches are kind of not that good. I don't know why they got pickles on them. Much gas station rib sandwich. The best one, or the one I remember that I liked was AMPM had a good one. Yeah, usually, rib sandwiches is hard to fuck them up, but the bread was soggy and, well, not super soggy, but still seemed like it had been out for a while. Shit. Yeah. It had pickles in it, like uh, the McRib, which I didn't particularly like either. Mm. Yeah, the McRib is quite overrated. Yeah, okay. Not that good of a sauce? It's not really the sauce, no. it's the meat. Oh, shit. One of the, okay, make sure it works. Okay, the you know the wire when I at one point when I uh, when I locked the door or I opened the door the the wire from some wire was in the way. I don't know if that was the one that was with the heater, but some wire was keeping the door from shutting. No, 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 nobody came in the room. Kept it kept it locked the whole time. Yeah, if you see any toilet paper on the floor, uh, I lost some, but. But I don't see it, so I think I must have lost it in the left it on the toilet and somebody snagged it that way. Yeah. I don't know, like it's not in my bag, so it must have fallen out of the bag if it I thought I put it back there, but God damn, those motherfuckers are broke. They they get they ain't even got no toilet paper. It's like, damn, how do they wipe their ass if they need to steal some toilet paper? Like, what, do they be using their head? They're probably doing it the old-fashioned way with the corn cobs. Or maybe they have the eating hand and the wiping hand. I'd love to see them shake somebody's hand with that wiping hand at a job interview. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong hand. I gave you my wiping hand instead of my eating hand. I'm sorry. That's some old-timey shit, Kyle Chaos. I know. That's that Middle Eastern tradition, right? I don't know. I've never heard of that before. You know, if you get caught stealing, they cut off your, your, your wiping hand, so you have to wipe with your eating hand? I guess. Either that or they cut out your eating hand so you gotta eat with your wiping hand, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's usually your right hand. Yeah, okay. But 
that the eating hand or the wiping hand? Never heard of an eating hand or wiping hand before. No, you've never been to a place in the Middle East that didn't have toilet paper then. I just came to this country. I didn't know you had such a thing as toilet paper. You mean you really can wipe it with, with paper instead of your hand? I've never seen that before. Western devilry. The infidel, you have toilet paper. You're with the infidel. Exactly. And then I came back and frickin' my roommate didn't cook his chicken fully and one dude was telling him don't eat that. But he just chowed down anyways. I mean, he's like, go look in the microwave. He he's like, he Barry told me, like, go look in the microwave. And then I looked in the microwave and saw the meat was still pink. Oh, shit. Yeah, so this motherfucker's shitting and feel like he's got a puke, got diarrhea. Just oh, went man. to the hospital. Uh-oh, he might have the salmonella. Yeah, some shit. He got something. Goddamn. Yeah, they probably gonna pump his stomach or some shit. Shit. That's a drag. Yep. And how the caseworker was like, how do you eat raw meat? Yeah, I guess people do it. I mean, you know, a, a lot of people have done that, you know. That's uh, that's when uh, there's a Luciferian commune in Hawaii that was uh, all about how they said they, were, they had a raw food diet and then they'd uh, supposedly... Uh, sacrifice people to Satan and eat their flesh cold <laughs> and eat their flesh raw and shit sounds tasty but okay now for saying that I might be targeted by that same group so never mind we don't really know if that happened <laughs> ain't that what Anton LaVey said he ate some dead bodies eh, probably I don't think he's for real about that Oh, you think he was just grandstanding? I don't know. Like, I'm not sure how much of his stuff in in his second... Like, his first book isn't that heavy, but the second book that he did, the the Satanic Ritual, that's like the book with all the heavy shit that... I don't know if people really do that or not really. (laughs) What, so the satanic Bible is tame? Well, not that it's tame, it's just all the crazy, like, serial killer shit is in Anton LaVey's second book. Uh. Which is the satanic ritual. I see. Yeah, that's 
pretty much my day, so welcome back to the Kyle Chaos and Aaron Order Show. I'm your host, Aaron Order. I'm Kyle Chaos. And today we are going to dive into the news. But this time it's going to be NPR. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's see. See what they have to say today. Yeah, I'm fucking lost in space is getting interesting. Mm. Little Robinson got stabbed in the heart. Mm. It seemed like that that uh, that dude in Spanish didn't say "cuidado" fast enough. Cuidado, Robinson! Ah, tu corazón. After Senate leaders broker a deal, the House takes a first step to avoid default. The House voted 22, well, 222 to 212 Tuesday night to approve a Senate-hatched plan that could allow Congress to avoid a federal default and tie up other legislative loose ends. Okay. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat New York, and Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican Kentucky agreed on a proposal that would allow the Senate to increase the federal borrowing limit without the threat of a Republican filibuster. Yeah, so they're just raising the debt ceiling. Might as well just come out and say it. Okay, so they raised the debt ceiling, basically. Yeah, the move is an attempt to end a months-long standoff as Republicans have refused to join Democrats in voting to increase the debt limit. Okay, so the Democrats are trying to do it themselves, so they got it in the House, but they don't have it in the Senate. Yeah. Shit. I think this plan is in the best interest of the country by avoiding default, McConnell told reporters Tuesday. I also okay, so McConnell's part of this. Yeah. I also think it is in the best interest of Republicans. Okay. The approach combines a one-time change to Senate rules with a measure to prevent scheduled cuts to Medicare payments. Okay. But House passage of this proposal is just the first step in a lengthy process. 
If the one-time change passes the Senate, the bill still needs to be signed into law by the President. Only then would the opportunity to increase the federal borrowing limit with a simple majority vote in the Senate kick off. I'm trying to figure this out. Okay, so if if they do this thing, right? Yeah. And okay, the second part of it is uh, what's the second part again? Because there's something before the the president gets it. Okay, the 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 Senate has to go along with this idea. But then after the Senate votes on it, then the president can change it and. And make and raise the debt ceiling without Congress's uh, input at that point. It didn't say that. Okay, so okay, because I don't think the president's not going to pass it. So it's it the, only the Republicans could be the, the the in the Senate could be the blocking on Pat could block the passage of it. The one-off agreement would allow Senate Democrats to avoid default, assuming the party is unified on the amount of borrowing power they're willing to allow. Democrats say their goal is to choose a figure that will resolve the debt limit until after the midterm elections in November 2022. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen notified Congress earlier this month that lawmakers have until December 15th to increase the nation's borrowing limit or risk defaulting on the country's bills. That's the end of the article. Okay, so it looks like the Republicans aren't going to default like they said they were. And uh, they're kind of losing on that end of it. Yeah, they're backing down. Okay. So then, okay. So I guess that's what's going on. And then Omicron boosters are in the works, but will they be needed? I don't even want to, this is just propaganda already. If it's from NPR, it's going to be propaganda. Yeah, because, like, they are already saying on Google that the vaccine, like the Pfizer vaccine, is at least 40% less effective against Omicron. But they're saying that a booster shot will do the trick. You know, it's like an endless amount of shots that you just have to take over and over again are going to do the trick. Fuck this. No. I'm not buying this shit. If none of this shit really works that much and you have to keep getting shots, then I'd rather not get any of them, you know? Yeah, it's seeming more and more like a scam as more time goes by. Yeah, no, this is definitely just trying to make people, these pharmaceutical companies, rich and make everybody rely on some kind of doctor. Whether it's the you know one at this at the fucking uh, pharmacy or whether it's the one at at some office or whether it's one of those free clinics, it's just they're trying to make you have to see some kind of doctor every fucking so often and I'm not buying this shit 
endless searching for a pariah over and over again, you know? Shoot, I don't have to give you the proof to hang me, okay? You're not going to get that from me. <sighs> Kellogg to hire replacements for striking workers who rejected a proposed contract. Kellogg? What, is this the, the, the cereal company? Yeah. Okay, so uh, what? Okay, so they're saying, okay, you're not gonna help us because you want a contract, then we'll get some people that'll do it for cheaper with no contract. Pretty much. That sucks. Well, that's uh, showing that that's a company you don't really want to work for. <laughs> Kellogg's, they're fucking you up the ass, great. The worst to you this morning. <laughs> That was their, their old slogan. Their their old slogan in the early seventies or late sixties or whatever was the best to you this morning. <laughs> so we'll say the words to you, people that work there this morning. Fucking their pensions up great. I guess. Shit. So what were what were they asking for that they're not getting? Or what does the article say? The Kellogg Company announced Tuesday that a majority of its U.S. workers have voted against a proposed five-year contract and that the company would hire permanent replacements for the employees who went on strike more than two months ago. Temporary employees have been working at the company's cereal plants in Michigan, Nebraska, Pennsylvania, and Tennessee. After 19 negotiation sessions in 2021 and still no deal reached, we will continue to focus on moving forward to operate our business. Kellogg North American President Chris Hood said in a statement... While certainly not the result we had hoped for, we must take the necessary steps to ensure business continuity. We have an obligation to our customers and consumers to continue to provide the cereals that they know and love. Interest in the permanent replacement roles has been strong at all four plants as expected. We expect some of the new hires to start with company with the company very soon, Kellogg spokesperson Chris Boehner said. Uh, the bakery, confectionery, tobacco workers, and grain millers international union, the union representing the 1,400 striking employees, said in a statement Tuesday they will continue to provide full support to our striking Kellogg's members. Right on. So at least the union's gonna try to take care of them as much as they can. Yeah, but it sounds like they're they they choke their chicken. Yeah, probably they're better off not working for those idiots. (laughs) 
The BCTGM is grateful for the outpouring of fraternal support we received from across the labor movement for our striking members at Kellogg. Solidarity is critical to this fight, the union said Tuesday. Kellogg Walker workers walked off the job on October 5th at four plants in Battle Creek, Michigan, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Memphis, Tennessee, and Omaha, Nebraska, after the company had and the union were able to reach an agreement on the terms of a new contract after the previous one expired. According to the union, Kellogg threatened to send jobs to Mexico, but in October 12th presentation update, company officials denied that claim. Kellogg also has a two-tiered wage system, which some companies argue helps them save money. In the tentative five-year agreement announced last week, the changes would include a 3% wage hike for longtime legacy employees, as well as an increase for both newer transitional workers and new hires based on years of service. Union members say the proposed two-tiered wage system will take away power from the union by removing the limit on the number of lower-tiered employees, Reuters reported. The ongoing strike at Kellogg is one of many labor actions that have taken place in the U.S. this year. Employees everywhere from John Deere to Frito-Lay to McDonald's have all walked off the job so far this year. That's the end of the article. Okay, right on. uh, Yeah, that company is fucking them over. But the unions are still trying to fight for a better deal, but it doesn't look like they're getting it. Which sucks. Amazon. Like people are being screwed over, but they're trying to stop themselves from being screwed over, but they're still being screwed over. Indeed. So, okay, let's go to the next article. Amazon announces progress after an outage disrupted sites across the internet. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. I don't know. That's, uh, I guess they're working on that shit. They'll see if they get their stuff back. If the websites come back. I guess it's screwing up a lot of the internet. Every, like The total internet gets screwed up whenever either Amazon or Google or anybody gets uh, their stuff put down. It just fucks up the whole internet. We'll see how much our show gets screwed up by this thing. (laughs) Well, I doubt it's going to affect us. It sounds like it's just Amazon.
a COVID vaccine grown in plants measures up. Okay. Don't even care. This sounds more like propaganda. Yeah, it's supposed to be some plant-based fucking vaccine. Which doesn't even sound like it will work. That could work, but... It's just, if NPR is pushing it, they just want to get everybody shot up on something. Like, they're just... Shilling for the new socialism. I didn't know they used old-timey money. What? Shilling. stuff that they don't have in Germany anymore. Or in England anymore, I guess. Chile's Congress approved same-sex marriage by an overwhelming majority. Okay. Right on. That's good uh, victory for... uh, the gay people in Chile and, and means Lucifer's throne is being implemented in Chile right on. So, okay. Uh, I know. I'm trying to think. Uh, I guess, should we go into this? Nah, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. No, nah, no, nah, you're right. So, a bunch of people are going to be scissoring and butt-fucking the night away. Hey, hey. Just watch them, them lesbian chick scissor. <laughs> and now they can say if you liked it, you should have put a ring on it. Oh God! <laughs> now they're, get, now they're, they're getting all the lame bullshit. It's like, like this is the thing. It's like this is making the gay people become as lame. It's, it's like making the game the gay people become lame and, and respectable. And like anytime something becomes legal, it becomes lame. Even, even pot's not as cool since it's become legal. You know, it's even pot's become more lame since it's become legal. As much as I love smoking pot, and I'm glad everybody's out of jail, but the respectability of it, or, and, and it's still, I think, got totally respectable, but it's still the respectability of it is kind of making it lame, you know? <laughs> Chile's Congress approves the gay. So they don't have to pray away the gay anymore. Well, no, I mean, I guess, you know, if you want to stop doing that, then you can still do that. But, you know, not like they had to do it before. You know, The people that wanted that to happen just wanted to not have to get locked up for the gays. So right on. Or they wanted to be respectable, which I don't understand why they want to be so fucking respectable, but okay. I mean, I guess it's to get benefits and shit.
So who knows? Opinion. I'm shocked by the racist cartoons and travel bans sparked by Omicron. Okay. Well, I get the travel bans. I don't get, like, what's, what are they saying about racist cartoons? I mean, I'm not sure, because, I mean, it might be the only way to semi, like, curb this a little bit. So I don't know if that should shock us, because if, I think they want things to be, you know, like, everybody to come in from those countries so that they can lock shit up, lock shit down faster, and then force uh, force shots on people faster. Like, they're, they're hoping that everybody will do what New York did and shit. <coughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of interested in what what cartoons they had. That's the only thing I, I'm kind of interested in with this article. So it's not like they're going to show it in an article. But they aren't gonna, even going to describe what they said, what the cartoon showed. An excerpt of an apology made by Bangkok Post <laughs> on December fourth, the Thai media outlet apologized for using racist language. Yeah, I just had a uh, hot dog. Yeah. You there? The, the Time Media outlet apologized for using racist language in a headline on a December 2nd story about the Omicron variant. The headline read, Government Hunts for African Visitors. Okay. I don't see particularly how that's racist, but... Yeah, and no, I don't get why they said that was racist either. I mean, that is who they're hunting for, and it's like, I don't get why, I don't see that, I don't see that as being racist, so that doesn't make sense. Like, they had to, like, apologize for saying that? Yeah. I don't know, that doesn't make sense. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, this Spanish newspaper uh, cartoon is kind of racist. It depicts the Omicron like it's a boat with some cells in there that have froze and big lips. Okay, yeah, that that is racist. Okay, that makes sense. Calling that racist makes sense. I don't think the first headline you could consider that racist, but but that definitely that that pictorial on on the uh, is this from Spain or, or Mexico or some other Spanish language country? But the Spanish cartoon that was racist. Doesn't really say where it's from. Okay, but it just was there. Any other examples? Um, 
do, 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 do. No. Okay, so we have one example of a racist cartoon, and that's pretty much it for this article. So not as heavy of of a headline as they're trying to make it, I don't think. No, it is not. In the words of, in, if Yoda was saying it, clickbait it is. Or is it not clickbait? Or clickbait, is it not? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something like that. Then 19 U.S. states have now detected the Omicron coronavirus variant. Okay, we know we know that's going to be more propaganda because that's what it was. Uh, NPR says that it's going to be propaganda. I've been watching goddamn Channel Five news all day, and it's nothing but propaganda on this shit. It's like they're covering like. The coronavirus and uh, uh, all the smash and grab robberies that have been happening. Like, be scared to go outside. People are going to hurt you. uh, And they might even hurt you in your house. And uh, uh, if you live in a wealthy neighborhood or wherever, and the coronavirus is going to kill you, stay inside. That's like, they're just trying to get everybody afraid to go outside reading, you know, like if you, if you watch channel five news, it's just trying to get everybody paranoid. It's like turning everybody into gay germaphobes. Indeed. And then Biden warns Putin he'll face tough sanctions if Russia invades Ukraine. Yeah, no, this is heavy. Because, uh, I mean, we really should go into this. Because Russia has put a bunch of forces in Ukraine. I mean, this is really fucked up. We really got to make peace with Russia. This is just... It's stupid that Russia's doing this, and it's stupid that we keep making them enemies and that we are fighting this stupid Cold War in the first place. Yeah, but Russia's making unreasonable demands saying that they don't want Ukraine to join NATO. I mean, no, I mean, Ukraine should have the right to join NATO. I mean, that's, Russia's just being lame. But we shouldn't be making, fighting war with Russia because of this. We shouldn't be fighting a cold war with Russia over this. But okay, let's go in. Let's go into this because this is important. Yeah, President Biden on Tuesday held a two-hour-long video call with Russian President Vladimir Putin and warned him that if he decides to invade Ukraine, the United States and European allies are ready to make Moscow pay. 
It's estimated nearly 100,000 Russian troops have been amassed at Russia's border with Ukraine, prompting fears that Russia is preparing to launch a military invasion as it did in 2014 when it annexed Ukraine's Crimean Peninsula. Yeah, no, I mean, that is something to worry about, but we still shouldn't be fighting against Russia over this shit. This is between the Russian, Russia and the Ukraine. They got to fight this shit out. It's not our fucking problem. We got to make peace with both countries. We shouldn't take sides on either side on, on this one. But okay, what else does the article say? Biden is deeply concerned about the military buildup around Ukraine. His national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, told White House reporters Tuesday if Russia invades, the Biden administration would impose strong economic measures, send military material to Ukraine, and beef up military support for NATO allies like the Baltics, Romania, and Poland, Sullivan said. Beef up military support? Yeah. So does that mean sending our troops or sending our weapons? Weapons. Okay, I don't know. I mean, I really just don't think we should even be fighting on on U- Ukraine's side or uh, Russia's side. We just shouldn't get involved in this. This is not our problem. America first should mean really America first. Damn it. Fuck all these other worrying about what all these other countries do. Look at Kyle Chaos sounding like a nationalist. Well, in, in this way, nationalism makes sense. And I'm not... A, I'm not a white nationalist. I believe in American <laughs> nationalism. Like, that idea makes sense. Whoa, 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 whoa. Then you gotta support the border protection. You can't claim no. you're a nationalist. I don't see that Mexico is an enemy either. In the same way that Russia and the Ukraine aren't our enemy, Mexico is not our enemy either. We don't need to be like, oh, we can't let Mexican people in our country. That's just, that's not the same thing. You know, like saying that Mexican people should go in our be able to come into our country is not the same thing as saying, uh, oh, we should be fighting, uh, you know, getting involved in whatever happens between Russia and the Ukraine. That's what nationalism means. No, I don't think nationalism means kicking Mexican people out of our country. Nationalism means that we're not going to get involved in every other country's war and be the cops of the world. We're going to worry about what happens to our country. You know, not what happens to some bunch of other countries at war, you know, two other countries in Europe. Anyway, what else does the article say? Like nationalism, identification with one's own nation, and support for its interests, especially to the exclusion or detriment of the interests of other nations. Okay. And I, I think that it's not in America's interest to go fight a war between Ukraine and Russia. 
And I, I also don't think it's Netflix. in America's interest. I don't think kicking Mexican people out of our country or not letting them in our country is in America's interest either. That's just in the interest of a bunch of racist dudes that don't want Mexicans in the country. <laughs> I think a lot of nationalists would disagree with you on that one. Yeah, I know, but that's because they're not being... They're seeing being racist as a part of being nationalist, and I don't believe that being nationalist means you're going to be a racist. Well, nationalists like myself don't view it as a race issue. It's nothing personal. It's just business. Yeah, but that's the problem. When you make something as personal as whether somebody can survive in a better country... That they weren't born in and have no right to. No, I'm not going to say they have no right to, because they have a right to be here. Anybody that comes in here has a right to be here. Whether they were born here or not, it's uh, it's kind of, you know, especially when we've fucked up their country and whenever they improve their conditions too much and make it so that we can't use their countries as, as a source of cheap labor, then we punish them by taking their international monetary fund money away. Uh, they should be able to come into this country. And since our country has made conditions in their country that bad in the first place, they should be able to come to our country and not get screwed with. And we shouldn't be so cold and businesslike that we go, oh, I'm sorry, you weren't born here, you shouldn't be able to be here. Because, <laughs> you know, if we're like that, eventually it's going to mean that, that our money is going to be taken away, that our handouts are going to be take, taken away or whatever, but I don't know. That's, that's kind of the way... Uh... That's your rationalization. And it makes a my reasoning makes a lot of sense. It's a good body of arguments. <laughs> from your point of view. Well, from your point of view, it's like, God, we got to be cold and businesslike because you know, like, I'm, you're not going to get me on on being cold and businesslike. When being cold and businesslike is what's going to fuck up, is what's going to take our handouts away and shit. My argument's always been they've already told us that they're taking away our handouts in 15 years. Okay, that's what I mean. That's always the reason to take that away from us. And they're just being business. We're just seeing it as a business. Whether you starve to death or not, we're just seeing it as a business decision. You know, I'm not buying that. I'd rather keep my handouts for 15 years rather than 5 or 10. Well, then they just got to stop cutting everything off, but they're going to use whatever hatred we got for for anybody who's different than whatever race we are or whatever, or that speaks a different language or whatever, to push our handouts getting taken away. So I'm They're not going to go along with that argument. I'm just going to go against my selfish interest in the long run. They're just a leech on the system. That's all they do is come here and get on the welfare system or 
or well, legally get paid. I'm, they see me as a leech on the system, and it'll be the biz- a good business decision to cut my SSI and Social Security off. I'm not buying this cold business-like way of looking at shit. Cow chaos, we are how many trillion dollars in debt? Yeah, we probably are. At the end of the day, they can't just keep printing free money. Yeah, they do. Because <laughs> that's how you collapse an empire. Rome did it. Lots of empires have done it. And it never if bodes If empire well. collapses, that might be a solution to all this. Yeah, and then your handouts will be gone, and all you can do is fight a revolution that'll starve millions. I know. Well, the, the probably the answer is going to be for that to happen. I mean, that is the only way we'll be able to stop ourselves from being fucked with by cops, is probably for millions of us to lose our handouts and starve, maybe. But, uh... If that's the way it would, if that's the way it would take to to stop us from being fucked with by cops, that would be worth it. So you want to add a race war to it, because you know these racists, the real ones, are gonna be having a field day with no no country, no borders. You know they probably will. They'll probably all turn uh, wind up. Uh, turning into like those dudes that killed Ahmad Ar- Arbery once this happens, but eventually we're going to have to not take that shit either. And usually when we have freedom and you know, a lack of cops, then usually the ones that, t- that, that get guns and fuck with us wind up being the communists more than the neo-Nazis. But, uh, you know, we got to fight against either one taking guns and fucking with shit, whether it's the neo-Nazis or whether it's the communists. Or even if it's the old-style Nazi, whatever. If it's like those idiots that fucked with Ahmad Arbery, that's what we got to fight against. But okay, I think it'd be better to see the, uh, let's see the system collapse under, under whatever happens because of the debt. I don't know. Maybe that could happen. If that could overthrow this government faster, then that would be a good way to overthrow the government. Even if it would mean that things would be a lot more fucked up for us, as long as it would stop the cops from having, from being able to fuck with us, that, that, uh, would be a good thing to me. You do realize how insane that sounds. That it's better to just slit your own wrist than, you know, not. (laughs) It's better to not have the cops fuck with people no matter what the fucking other consequences of that are. If we can, you know, if the cops don't have any more motive to keep, uh, doing their job because they're not welcome back to the kyle chaos and aaron order show i'm your host aaron order i'm kyle chaos today 
we go deep down into the sewage of news. Which has been pretty uneventful besides the Ukrainian story. Yeah, you know, and the constant fear-mongering about uh, coronavirus, because they want everybody to be scared to go outside. In, in, in L.A., the, the, uh, the smash-and-grab robberies and the home invasion robberies and shit. Greg Tate, a powerful chronicler and critic of black life and culture, has died at 64. Mm-hmm. Biden's Greg Tate, a powerful chronicler and critic of black life and culture, has died at 64. How did he chronicle things? I mean, I haven't heard, like, what... Like, how did he chronicle things? I'm trying to figure. He was a staff writer at the Village Voice, where he documented black art and culture. He eventually became a leading figure in cultural criticism. Okay. That's a drag. But okay. Um, What's the article after that? Biden's pick to become a key banking regulator withdraws after ugly nomination fight. Okay. Let's go into that and who's Biden's next pick, we wonder. Saul Omarova has withdrawn her nomination to head the office of the Comptroller of the Currency, a little-known agency that has a major role in overseeing banks in the country. Omarova, a Cornell University law professor, had faced strong opposition from Senate Republicans over her academic research which had proposed some major changes to the banking system. Okay. So what was, what were they, what didn't they like, what did, what changes didn't they want to see happen and why did she want the changes to happen? The Kazakhstan-born nominee held, well, they accused her of having communist views. Yeah, she could. I mean, this is, this is fucking Biden's White House, you know, and, and since the since 2020, our government has gone communist, using the lockdown as a reason to do it. So I think that's probably a warranted accusation, but who knows? Okay. And they might have wanted somebody who's communist, but we'll see. Yet some moderate Democrats had also expressed reservations about her previous positions, making her path to confirmation challenging in the closely divided Senate, even if she had strong support from progressives. Okay. Well, to me, it depends on what kind of changes did she want to make in the banking system.
Yet some moderate Democrats had also expressed reservations about her previous positions. Yeah, but the moderates like keep any good change from happening. So she could want good shit to happen or she could want fucked up shit to happen. We don't know. And that's why I wish they'd explain this more. Like, what are the changes she wanted? And, and uh, you know, that would help us be more educated on this subject if NPR really cared about educating us. Anyway, what else did the article say? But it was her research as an academic that drew strong opposition from Republicans and banking groups who accused her of holding radical views as well as sparking misgivings from some Democrats, such as John, Senator John Tester of Montana. Okay, but what did he... Again, what are these things that she wanted to do? It's like, okay, there were things she wanted to do that got them mad, but they won't say the details of what are these things she wanted to do. But okay, well, what else the article say? In a widely cited paper, for example, she had suggested that the Federal Reserve could offer retail bank accounts, in part to reduce the number of unbanked people. Okay. I don't know. That might be an okay thing. I don't know why that would be, you know, like, why would that be bad? Turning the Federal Reserve into an actual bank? I don't know, but why would that be bad? Well, one possibility is that if a market crash happened, then that bank could crash. Um, that could be true. So, yeah, that might be a problem. Okay. So maybe that's why people don't want that to happen. As head of the OCC, Omarova would have overseen an agency responsible for regulating the assets held by more than 1,000 banks. Okay. I wonder if she, like, argued any of her points when she was asked questions about this. But, okay, what, what else does the article say? I'm wondering how he'd, she'd respond to someone talking about the the uh, Federal Reserve being affected if there was a market crash. And that's the end of the article. They didn't really go into it. Yeah, that uh, didn't explain much. NPR, you really got to go into more details on this. It, It would help us to be more educated. Although there was a story on on the environmental uh, thing that you didn't want to go into detail on last time, so when somebody wanted more uh, wanted more environmental impact statements on some building pr- the water project that was going to take water from an, a place where there was oil which to me like reeks of the bad problems that uh, 
that uh, Flint, Michigan had with the water supply. Well, they didn't have oil in the water. It was lead. Okay. But still, that would I don't think it would be... You, you don't want water coming from a pipeline that had oil. You know, I think the oil residue would get in the water. Not if they just replace the pipes. Okay, but they'd have to replace the pipes, definitely. But anyway, I don't know. I thought there would have been more... Those details might have helped us to understand that story more, but this one, this story didn't have enough details for us to understand it. Hawaii remains under flood warnings as a Kona low storm continues to dump rain. And it's just saying that it's a threat. Wait, wait, this, this Kona's what storm? Kona low. Okay. And that storm, they're worried about what happening? Flooding. Okay, well, that could happen, so that could be pretty freaky. If that happens, we'll probably hear about it in later news stories and the creator fucking with more people. The average U.S. home is pricier than ever. A Biden administration move may make that worse. Okay. Yeah, let's go into this. Especially, whoa, NPR criticizing Biden? Whoa. Yeah, because he wants to import lumber from Canada, critics argue it hurts the goal of affordable housing. Okay, why would that hurt the goal of affordable housing? Because they have, uh, you know, taxes and shit on lumber. Oh, so if you get it imported from Canada, then it would be taxed. Yeah, it'd be more expensive. Okay, but... I mean, how... Wouldn't it be kind of harder to... I mean, I don't know, like, in this country, do we have that many trees that you could really use for lumber without fucking up the ecosystem so much? Don't know. So, I mean, it might might be the only option if, because, I mean, we don't, our forests are that bad. I don't know if Canada's forests are that good either, really. And we might need to use something else other than lumber. Maybe we got to start using, uh... Like hemp, the way that they've made houses from uh, hemp. Yeah, it's been done. National Institute of Health director explains why Americans aren't getting healthier despite medical advances. Because we live a good life. 
Because we do things that feel good. God damn it. Just stop with this. Oh, we could be getting healthy. What, what the fuck? We're living a good life, God damn it. We're eating food that tastes good, and yes, it's going to kill us, and it's worth dying for. God damn it. We're not getting enough exercise. Woohoo. So we're all going to die. Cool. <laughs> and apparently he's getting ready to leave his post. Who is? Francis Collins. Okay. Who's Francis Collins again? Anthony Fauci's boss. Okay, wait. Okay, wait. Let's go back. Okay. First, we started with talking about what was it? Uh,. Why we're getting less healthy? Yeah, it's in the same article. Okay. But hey! So, Francis, the one who is really the one running the country right now, Francis Collins, might be losing his job, and then we'll have some other idiot running the country using Anthony Fauci as a fucking figurehead. They'll probably make Fauci the next head. Well, then who will be the figurehead when Fauci's running it? Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. That, that'll be freaky. I wonder who the next uh, idiot that, that they'll want us to put all our hate on when we know it's the Francis Collins who deserves all the hate. Yeah, it's Francis Collins' last few weeks as director of the National Institutes of Health after 12 years serving under three presidents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck it. Let's just have NPR read it to us. It's eight minutes. Okay. And fix your throat. Comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Dr. Francis Collins, who, along with Dr. Anthony Fauci, has been a voice of calm during the pandemic, has just a few more weeks to go as director of the National Institutes of Health. And before he leaves, NPR's health policy correspondent Selena Simmons Duffin wanted to talk with him about what the NIH does for Americans and whether the agency's focus on biomedical research under his leadership has left some work undone. Selena's here now to talk more about it. Welcome back. Hi, Audie. Collins has been director for 12 years. Where has he led the agency? Right, so Collins is 71. He's a physician and geneticist. He's known as a political bridge builder. He's grown the agency's budget. It's now $41 billion a year. That's a lot of taxpayer dollars going into NIH research. And much of it has gone towards biomedical research. Some critics have argued more of the focus should be on Americans' health in the broader sense because Americans are sicker and don't live as long as people in other rich countries. And that has been true for years. And I understand that that's attributed to chronic diseases, poverty, and to some extent, a fragmented healthcare system. Certainly, but even wealthy Americans who don't smoke and aren't overweight are not as healthy as their counterparts in other countries. And in the U.S., children are more likely to die before age five than in other rich countries. And those facts, by the way, come from a 300-page report NIH actually requested and financed called Shorter Lives, Poorer Health, 
But research into why those things are true is not currently getting a lot of focus at NIH. And one former NIH division head suggested to me that for every $100 for NIH research, $1 should go into a fund called, hey, how come nobody's healthy? So I wanted to ask Collins about all of this and get his thoughts and his advice for his successor. It's a lot of ground to cover. Where mm-hmm. did you start? Well, before we talked about the big picture, I asked Collins about what he has said is his chief regret as he steps down, persistent vaccine hesitancy during the COVID-19 pandemic. To have oh, now like 60 million people still holding off of it. taking advantage of life-saving vaccines is pretty unexpected, and it does make me at least realize, boy, there are things about human behavior that I don't think we had invested enough into understanding. Because we basically have seen the accurate medical information overtaken all too often by the inaccurate conspiracies and false information that circulates so rapidly on social media. It's a whole other world out there. Yeah. We used to think that if knowledge was made available from credible sources, it would win the day. That's not happening now. You mentioned the idea of investing more in the behavioral research side of things. Do you think that could happen, should happen? We're having serious conversations right now about whether this ought to be a special initiative at NIH is to put more research into health communications and how best to frame those so that they reach people who may otherwise be influenced uh, by information that's simply not based on evidence. Because hmm. I don't think oh, you could look at the current circumstance now and say it's gone very well. Yeah. So let's step back oh, from the pandemic. I mean, you have served as director for 12 years. You have a lot to be proud of. And even before director running the Human Genome Project. But, you know, in that time, Americans haven't on the broader scale gotten healthier. I mean, they're sicker than people in other countries across the board, all races and incomes. We don't live as long. I just checked that when you were sworn in in 2009, life expectancy was 78.4 years, and it's been essentially stuck there. So does it bother you that there haven't been more gains, that Americans haven't kept up with other countries? And what role should NIH play in trying to understand what's to blame for these trends and what should be done to turn them around? Well, sure, it does bother me because in many ways, the 28 years I have been at NIH have just been an amazing ride of discoveries upon discoveries. But you're right. We haven't seen that translate necessarily into advances. Let's be clear. There are some things that have happened that are pretty exciting. Cancer deaths are dropping uh, every year by one or two percent. When you add that up over 20 years, uh, cancer deaths are down by uh, almost 25 percent. And that's a consequence of all the hard work that's gone into developing therapeutics based on genomics, as well as immunotherapy that's come along and made a big dent in an otherwise terrible disease. But we've lost ground in other areas, and a lot of them are, in fact, a function of the fact that we don't have a very healthy lifestyle in our nation, and particularly with obesity and diabetes. We haven't apparently come up with strategies to turn that around. Uh, The other main reason for seeing a drop uh, in life expectancy other than obesity and COVID uh, is the opioid crisis. Uh, We at NIH are working as fast and as hard as we can to address that one as well. 
in all of these no, instances, as a research enterprise, because that's our mandate, it feels like we're making great progress, but the implementation of those findings runs up against a whole lot of obstacles in terms of the way in which our society operates, in terms of the fact that our healthcare system is clearly not even-handed. It's full of disparities, full of racial inequities. We're not at NIH able to reach out and fix that, but we can sure shine a bright light on it. Some of the the reasons why Americans tend to be less healthy than people in other countries do get political pretty quickly, like healthy environments and gun injuries and drug overdoses and suicide and maternal health. I mean, all of that is quite charged. But the research is important. So, you know, you're stepping away from the director role. Do you have any guidance or thoughts for your successor on how to get that research done, the research that's not universally potentially embraced on both sides of the aisle? I think the guidance is you have to look at all the reasons why people are not having uh, a full life experience of health and figure out what we, as the largest supporter of medical research in the world, should be doing uh, to try to understand and change those circumstances. A lot of this uh, falls into the category of health disparities. It is shameful that your particular likelihood of having a certain lifespan depends heavily on the zip code where you were born, and that is a reflection of all the equities that exist in our society in terms of environmental exposures, uh, socioeconomics, uh, social determinants of health, etc. We actually want to try pilot interventions to see if some of those things can be changed. But that's about as far as we can go. Again, if there's a major societal illness right now of tribalism and over-polarization and hyper-partisanship about every issue, Probably the NIH is not well positioned all by ourselves to fix that. We have an urgent need, I think, across society to recognize that we may have lost something here, our anchor to a shared sense of vision and a shared sense of agreement about what is truth. The voice of outgoing NIH director Francis Collins and NPR Selena Simmons-Duffin. Tell us what happens next. We don't know a lot. There has been no interim director named, and President Biden has not nominated a replacement So a lot is up in the air, and Collins confirmed to me he's stepping down before the end of the year. The appearance of the Omicron variant has not changed those plans. That's NPR's Selena Simmons-Duff, and thank you so much for your reporting on this. Thank you. You know, whatever the establishment, we need to fight against the establishment whenever the government wants to crack down on all of us. Those of us who are anti-establishment should be going against the government and be tribal about it <laughs> and go against the establishment and the government when they're tightening down on everything. But okay, that's the voice, that voice of Francis Collins. That's the voice that until he leaves and is replaced by somebody else, this is who we need to put our, our, our black magic on to... Uh, fight against their uh, to, to fight against uh, their continued uh, obstruction to us. That's the one we need to assassinate the most, even more than Fauci is Francis Collins at this point. That's probably why he's leaving office pretty soon, but uh, damn, he's become an extremely powerful politician in the past year and a half and this is very scary 
And that's all they got for NPR. Ready to go to Yahoo? Okay, yeah, let's let's go to Yahoo. But at least NPR had more real stories this time. I, I, lo- I love reading NPR on weekdays. You know, <laughs> like from Monday night to Thursday night, reading NPR is good. The weekends they put so much crap in it. Like this was a good NPR day. <laughs> The first story is, which countries will follow U.S. boycott of Olympics? Um, probably countries that are, I don't know, let's see, let's see who, who else wants to, who else is angry at China for their human rights record, uh, you know, I, I imagine, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, let's go into this. New Zealand says it decided months ago that its diplomats would not be attending. Okay, so New Zealand. On Wednesday, Australia said its officials would be staying home too. But that's so weird that two countries with really crappy human rights records in the past couple of years should be talking about boycotting China for its human rights records when they're becoming more and more like China every fucking day. I mean, New Zealand and Australia are more and more like China every day. This is funny. But okay, what other what other places? It's not saying who else is bowing out. It just says that it's other countries are expected to. Okay, so far it's been two countries that are very much like China, showing how hypocritical they are. Jen Psaki, should we just send one to every American? One what? I don't know. Yeah, no, okay, let's let's hear what the, what's this about? Uh, rapid at home coronavirus tests. Jinsaki is saying this shit. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. Sh- I'm sure as hell not going to use it. If I get that in the mail, I'm throwing it in the trash as soon as I get it because I am not going to find out if I'm one of your pariahs or not. Fuck you. Even if you got a cough, Kyle Chaos? Hell no, especially if that happens.
Did you turn it off? I just did. It says those bitches cost twenty to thirty dollars for a pair. Uh, that shit's pretty expensive. Mm. I'm surprised they're giving them away at the library. What? COVID tests. Okay. Well, now they they want to make sure they want to find as many pariahs as they can, and then if anybody finds out they're a pariah, then they can be legally liable, you know, with jail time and shit. If they know they're a pariah and they don't, you know, and they don't uh, go along with the bullshit, like this is all what this is about. The government will pay any expense to push this this world of trying to find the the proof to hang everybody so that they really can hang everybody or lock them up in jail for as long of a period of time as they can. Good COVID fight news comes amid Omicron fears. What? Good COVID fight news comes amid Omicron fears. Okay. If they consider it good news, it's probably bad news. So, (laughs) I don't know. I just, uh... I bet it's going to be propaganda. I don't even know if I want to hear it. Because <laughs> they said the vaccine was good news, and that wasn't good news. That was bad news. Yeah, it's just COVID pills. Yeah, no, that's not good news. <laughs> that's like, you know, the pharmaceutical companies in every fucking news story advertising their products like... After the bad news of the the robberies and the the war in Ukraine, oh look! But you can get some stupid pill that'll help you with your diabetes or your shit. You know, I'm not. This, this is bullshit. State has near had nearly fifty three thousand school kids test positive. State has nearly 53,000 school kids test positive. Which state's this? But again, that's because they wanted to get the uh, proof to hang everybody. Indiana. Okay. Yeah. More bullshit. Now they got all these... Look at how many pariahs we have in this state. Woo! University to change definition of fully vaccinated. 
A college is going to change the definition of fully vaccinated. What, to how many booster shots you have now? Probably. Oh, God. Yeah, I guess we should hear how much they're fucking with everybody. And which college is this? Notre Dame. Okay, so that's... uh trying to remember what, what state that's in. That's in Indiana, isn't it? Or Michigan. But okay, what's their new definition? God. You have to get a booster shot. Oh, these motherfuckers. Again, boo Notre Dame. You're a, real, you're a very lame school. God. The shit people have to go through just to go to fucking school is just fucking bullshit. Yeah, they're having an on-site clinic give kids, well, students, their booster shots of Pfizer. Okay, more more propaganda. A lot of propaganda so far in Yahoo. Yeah, they want anybody that's been vaccinated more than six months to get a booster. Yeah, fuck this shit. God, fuck these motherfuckers. Ready to go to the next article? Yeah, let's go to the next article. Well, at least Fauci is telling the truth on this one. Fauci says effects of Omicron do not appear to be severe. Okay. Well, good about that one. From uh, the chicken fucker's mouth. Yep. The figurehead, though. Francis Collins is the one we need to put all our hatred on. Fauci's just the figurehead. And it was the same voice, the same dude that I heard on Meet the Press back in uh, fucking April. Same sleazy fucking voice. And then infamous Robert E. Lee Confederate statue to be melted down into a, you know, like art. Okay, right on. Cool. Looks like Robert E. Lee is finally having a meltdown. (laughs) 
funny. Not that funny, but I said punny, not funny. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely is. First, but, you know, his spirit probably is now. Oh look, his soul is finally melting. That's probably what they'll say about me in about who knows how long after I'm dead. Oh look, Kyle's soul's finally melted. First momnibus bill signed into law others could follow. Okay, what's this about? Let's go into this. Black birthing parents were dying at unacceptable rates. Mm-hmm. So what else does the article say? This is the same article, right? Yeah. We're about to start reading. Okay, so what else does it say? Trying to find where they actually say what the hell it does. Yeah, no, that's that is important. I mean, if they're talking about the bill, it's got to do something. Stop making vague articles. We need details. It's where my God is in the details. Even bigger strides could be on the horizon. The Build Back Better Act, the President's Social Spending and Climate Bill, includes many provisions from the Momnibus, including setting up grant programs, establishing research and training programs, as well as expanding and diversifying the prenatal well, parental health workforce. Um, okay. I mean, some of that would be good. Some of it would be too much government involved in little kids' lives, but okay. I don't know. Uh, overall, it'd probably be it'd probably be good if those things got enacted. So, I don't know. That's probably keeping at least uh, women who are mothers from being screwed over.
You know what's, know what's happening? Skimming. Oh, okay. Because it just keeps bringing up that a fuck ton of black and Indian women keep dying in childbirth, but it's not saying what it actually does to stop it. Okay, well, no, but that is a heavy thing. That is something we should know about. I mean, it's not, you know, that is important information to know when you're trying to understand the issue. This rate is even higher for black birthing parents at 68%. Okay, so that's pretty, that's pretty fucked up that that's happening. Must mean that there is discrimination going on in the hospitals. Okay, here it goes. While people are eligible for Medicaid once they become pregnant, they are shut out of vital preconception coverage, Solomon said. Being uninsured before pregnancy has been linked to worse health outcomes. Now, who's Solomon? The one who uh, originally proposed the bill. Okay, so is she is she still a senator or is she out of Congress now or... Still a senator. Okay, so where's she a senator in? Well, actually, I don't know who Solomon is. Representative Lauren Underwood, Democrat Illinois, is the one who proposed it. Okay, so yeah, we don't know who Solomon is. Okay, but at least we know who pr- proposed this one. Which is probably a pretty good bill. Probably. Anyway, what else does the article say? Being uninsured before pregnancy has been linked to worse health outcomes, such as preterm births and low birth weights among infants, she explained. And uninsured people may delay prenatal care until after they apply for and enroll in Medicaid. For some, this could mean not getting prenatal care until early in the second trimester. While 17% of maternal deaths occur the day of delivery, 12% happen between six weeks and one year after birth. Basic Medicaid cuts off 60 days after birth. But she added it isn't enough to address the black maternal health crisis. 
This is because disparities in maternal death cuts across factors like income, education, and health care coverage. Underwood said she believes that saving black birthing parents requires a multifaceted, comprehensive approach. Okay. And some Christian dudes uh, say it would have something to do with whether they accepted Jesus Christ as, as their savior, I guess. I don't know. But okay. Fuck the puns. It says no House Republicans voted for the bill, although Underwood has emphasized the bipartisan support of the Momnibus bills. Solomon is more cautious. Okay. We still wonder who the hell Solomon is. I don't see very much happening on the bipartisan level, she said. The success of Momnibus will depend on the bigger packages it is included in, such as last week's veterans' bills and Biden's spending plans. Still, Underwood says she could feel the momentum finally shifting for black maternal health care in Congress. This is a special moment. And that's the end of the article. Democrat exodus from Congress could boost the squad. Okay. No, that that would help. That would make uh, the better politicians in the in the Democrats maybe have more sway. So yeah, power to the commies. Well, at least they're talking about some real issues. I'd rather have the people talking about more real issues in in Congress than a lot of these, most of the, what they call uh, moderate Democrats that are keep pushing the fake issues and keep anything from, any changes for the better from happening. So it's a, uh, and I think that'd be a good thing, depending on which Democrats are, are being are leaving the White House. So yeah, let's go into this article. This could mean something. Could mean changes for the better. It might not mean that, but we'll we'll see. But yeah, let's go into this one. For more than twenty years, Democratic. Representative Mike Doyle has represented the Pittsburgh area in Congress, so when he abruptly announced in October that he plans to retire after his current term, progressive Pennsylvania State Representative Summer Lee wasted no time declaring her intention to replace him. Cool. Let's see what her issues are. 
Lee told the Beast she'd been exploring a run against Doyle prior to the congressman's retirement announcement, believing her more progressive chops better represent her solidly blue district. She spoke to constituents about their appetite for change. And with Doyle directly as a measure of respect about his intentions with the seat prior to his announcement. Mm-hmm. So what else did the article say? Doyle didn't hint he was going anywhere, but that didn't stop Lee from continuing to explore her options. And within a day of Doyle's announcement, her campaign was ready to go. We were already prepared to make our announcement when he made it. It was very good and convenient timing, she said. Okay. Just like Doyle, more than a dozen House Democrats are headed for the exits this Congress. And the left flank couldn't be more thrilled. Their hope Mm. is these races could add to the ranks of progressives in Congress who've seen increased influence over policy and leadership in recent months. Okay. But while an open primary paves the way for a surefire changing of the guard and allows progressives to run without tricky politics of challenging an incumbent, Vacated seats also come with their own downsides. They often attract the political masses sparking competition. He is recognizing, you know, the changing demographics, right? The changing political kind of attitude and environment that we have in Western Pennsylvania, Lee said of Doyle. She was the first black woman from Southwestern Pennsylvania to be elected as a state representative and has the backing of groups like Justice Democrats, the Working Families Party, and the Progressive Change Campaign Committee. Okay. I mean, the only problem that I mean, I used to believe all this stuff about change in demographics at places, but ever since the uh, government lockdown started in 2020, all that belief in change in demographics went out the window for me. And I just don't believe anything. I don't believe Democrats, their demographics are changing at all, or it even matters in places. But it's not, it's not turning into change, it's not giving us freedom. So I, I don't know if I believe any – I don't have any optimism at, all, optimism at all about any change of demographics anywhere now after what I've seen with the, the lockdown after after March of 2020. But anyway, uh, what else does the article say? Joseph G. Varghese, executive director of the progressive organizing group Our Revolution, said he thinks there will be a greater opportunity for progressives to prevail in these races given that the incumbent Democrat and the established machine isn't necessarily going to be united early on behind, or early on behind one candidate. Well, let's hope. They usually tend to be, though. The, the, the press seems to be pushing whoever the most mainstream candidates in the Democratic Party all, every time, but let's hope that's not true. 
Maxwell Frost, a progressive running to replace Representative Val Demings, Democrat Florida, as she vies for a spot in the Senate, wasn't the first candidate to enter that race. But he's positive that being in an open primary pushes voters to consider candidates with their default incumbent no longer an option. It's a different atmosphere. It's a different vibe, Frost said. I'm not challenging Val Demings. I'm not challenging anyone, really. And I think that the atmosphere open primaries create is one where people, yes, take the time to consider multiple candidates because there isn't the person that they've supported for so long who's in it, he added. Yeah, no, but the problem is, though, with the open primary, the way it is in California, is it still means the two top people get in, and if they're both very mainstream, it means we really have even less of a choice of who to vote for because of the open primary, which is, I thought it was going to make things different, but uh, it hasn't. But okay, let's see what uh, happens. All right, ready to go to the next article. Um, okay, did they say anything, any, anything else in the art, or we finish it, or is it? I'm just wondering if any of these people are going to talk about what their issues are. So far, no. Okay. So what else the article say? I've been skimming while you were talking, and I haven't seen anything about their policies. Okay, that's so. Like, what are they talking about then? Just like, I mean, not long. You know, don't go in it long because if it's that boring or whatever. Yeah, it's boring. They're just talking about how just because the old school people aren't there anymore doesn't mean that people are automatically going to pick the progressives. Yeah, no, I mean, that is a, a heavy case because that is the problem. I mean, that's the worst part, again, about the open primary is the top two candidates in the November election get in. And if those top two candidates both suck equally as bad, then we don't have a choice. And usually it is two candidates that suck equally as bad, and we don't really have a choice of who to vote for. So I wind up having to leave most of these things blank. It's like none of them are going to do anything but cause changes for the worse. And we got four minutes remaining in this. You want to stay on this one or keep it moving? It depends on, like, I don't know, skim more and see what else they're talking about or, or... Turner told the Daily Beast she believes these races at their cores are issues based 
with voters looking to see which candidate is actually going to stand up to really try to change the material conditions of the people that they're running to serve. I'd love to believe that's true. <laughs> Sometimes it is, but uh, a lot of times it isn't. But I, I, I hope people really do care. I don't have much faith in, in the people lately, as much as they've swallowed this lack of freedom that we've gotten over the past couple of years. Or a year and how many months now? Progressive Kentucky House Representative Attica Scott didn't wait for Representative John Yarmuth, Yarmuth, Democrat, Kentucky, to announce his retirement. By the time Yarmuth announced his planned departure in October, she had already racked up endorsements from groups including Kentucky Sunrise Movement and Elect Black Women Pack. not talking about their their political opinions. Hey, what are they talking about? He inherited the seat from his father and he's intent on holding it until he can anoint a successor. That's aristocracy, not democracy, Oakley argued. The only option to protect my community from the ravages of climate change, housing instability, and healthcare inequality challenge Payne Jr. on my own timetable. Okay, no, but those are three issues. That's, those are three good issues that they're, they're putting. The climate change, what was the second one? Housing instability. Yeah, and so those are three heavy issues that are important. And more real issues. G. Varghese also suspects that corporate interests are going to be especially interested and boosting more moderate Democrats this election because it is not in their interest or the establishment's interest to have a stronger Congressional Progressive Caucus. Well, yeah, no, it isn't. <laughs> That's true. That's the end of the article. Okay. No, that, that was a pretty important article. So yeah, uh, so let's. Okay. Oh yeah, we got to start the, the thing again. Yeah, all right. Welcome back to the Kyle Chaos and Aaron Order Show. I'm your host, Aaron Order. 
and let's take our final breath of after hearing all this depressing shit and some stuff that's not so depressing that uh, I'm Kyle Chaos. And we're just and, gonna do the outro because yeah, it's getting so late. In, so tune in next time when we talk about how we're being screwed with and how we're trying to stop ourselves from being screwed with. Alright, get out of here, you hippies. This hippie's bailing. Alright, peace out. Peace out.